Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. Another stabbing inside the Dairy Public Library has caused many concerned citizens to take up a new cause banning books. In an official statement, the organizers stated, The only way to stop these maniacs with knives is to no longer have a library in which to be stabbed. When asked if they'd consider the harm of closing a place where people can find the help they need no matter their background, economic status, education, or orientation, they responded, This isn't about helping people. It's about being right. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, constant readers. And today we are on part two of Insomnia, where we are covering through chapter 14. Josh, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I sure will. Uh, so normally here's where we do the recap, but <laughs> so much stuff happened and I don't know what's plot yet. <laughs> uh, this is a real cheater's way out I, well, I, it's it's a segue into the fact that s- this story is so much mm-hmm. that i don't know what the plot is yet <laughs> like that the i've noticed I, i've been kind of struggling through mm. this first half and i think that's why mm. is i don't have Beyond uh, my sleep thinner joke from earlier, that's like the only concrete thing I've been like. That's the consistent thing that's happening, and I don't know what story we're following mostly yet. I can get that. Yeah, that's <laughs> very fair. And uh, if you're looking for the plot, I don't think we're gonna hit it by the end of this. Oh episode. my god! Still, <laughs> the the cliff notes. What you need to know, and you guys can fill in anything if, since you know what's gonna happen. We have the rally for women care that is stirring up a bunch of tension in the town. Ed Deep Nose gone completely crazy, has fanaticized friends of life and terrorized people he has dubbed centurions. Ralph, our main character, is not sleeping and now he's seeing auras. Right? Is that right, pretty much everything yeah. we need to know yeah. right now? That does it. Fantastic. <laughs> Good job, Josh. How, how is that all? How is that all that's plot relevant so far? It's so crazy. All right. So we let, let's pick up this story where Ralph comes home. Dorrance is just on Ralph's porch. Yeah. I love that we actually didn't even get to Dorrance in the first yeah. episode. Because uh, he's one of the first it. characters that we met, right? We mentioned it very briefly. Uh, so, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Dorrance, uh, how we met Dorrance before and what happens here now. So we we met Dorrance on that first day, mm-hmm. and he said one very weird thing to Ralph during that whole fight with the heavyset man who was driving the truck. And it was, don't go near him. I can't see his hands anymore. I can't some, see your hands I can't anymore. see your hands. And he also tells him not to mess in with longtime business. Yeah. What is he saying when he, do we know what that means yet? Why well, he couldn't I have see no idea. No, why he couldn't see his hands? Yeah. Is it because he, the aura around the fight was so powerful that it was obscuring Ralph's yes. hands. Is sorry. that? Yes, but sorry. Oh, I screamed it. Because 
much later in this episode, we're going to talk about Ralph seeing little kids fighting. It's the best part of the book so far. Mm, yeah. And, and yes, and he speculates what would it look like if you were in a war seeing people fighting? Like, what would the aura storm be above that? And so I think that that can obscure if if you're heightened enough, if it's strong enough. So that's how I took it. Because I don't think it has, I don't think it's a bag of death thing. No, I wouldn't think which so. Which we'll also get to. <laughs> <laughs> so Dorrance is here to deliver a message. A very weird thing, because they, they're not like pals. No, because he's the kooky guy in town. Yeah. Everybody just... He's, yeah, everyone's he's very childlike. Everyone's how people treat is him. very dismissive of him mm-hmm. in a not kind way. Yeah. And he carries around a book of poetry all the time. That's mm-hmm. another thing they talk about a lot. And he doesn't know who the message is from. He <laughs> says that. And it's to cancel his appointment with the the pin sticker man. What he makes me think of, and I'm not well-read enough to name any specific instances of this trope, but the kind of almost Lovecraftian, someone who has gazed into stuff that they shouldn't have Mm -hmm. and is now just kind of disconnected from reality because Dorrance knows shit. He knows all the shit. And he's not a part of the shit. But he's been affected by it, and it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the thing I'm very excited to know more about is how Dorrance falls into all this. He also gives him a copy of the uh, book of poems that he was carrying around, uh, and he flips through and he reads one called Cemetery Nights, and there's a line that sticks in his head. But the it's, it's something to the effect of, uh, I hurry through doing things. Each thing I do, I rush through. To, to get to the, another thing to do. <laughs> something like that. Like Way more eloquent, but yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> ben, sorry, Josh, I have to exclude you from this question because this is your first time reading it. Dorrance also has an expression that he says. Uh, done bun can't be undone. I, that, <laughs> I that expression, phrase. I remember... God, I hope I didn't say it out loud. I, I'm sure I only said it in my head. I said that a lot as a teenager. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, it's so stupid. It's, it's a kingism that stuck with you. That's okay. Yes, I used rhymes. to say, uh, "You can bet your mama or whatever the fuck." <laughs> Ask mama if she believes this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we move on with the plot, can we talk about the audiobook? Yes. <laughs> Many listeners have messaged us. <laughs> Warning us that if, <laughs> that if we are listening to the audiobook, to take care because the music is jarring. That is such a gross understatement. <laughs> the first time it happened, I went, oh, this rules. Every subsequent time, I'm like, I can't hear your fucking voice. Yes. Yes. I'm sure the composer uh, composed something very interesting, but it was mixed Awful. Or, oh, God. It's bad. Sorry, I just had to rant. <laughs> no, it, the, it's, the narrator, though. The narrator's super good. I, I love how well he does not just the character voices, but variations on the main accent. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> has just that slight main twang mm-hmm. without it being, like, cartoonish. It's really good. It is too bad that there are 
usually very critical points in the book because yep. it's mostly at the end of chapters where some, they're building up to something and then all of a sudden you cannot <laughs> understand the fucking person reading the book underneath it. It's a rough, a rough listen. I stopped listening to the audiobook after the chapter that we are currently in. After Actually, after this next scene, brilliant segue that just happened to <laughs> my life. Where Ralph goes to the Dairy Public Library to mm. do more insomnia research, and he's in the zone, running on fumes, because now he's waking up at, like, 1.48 in the morning, and a man in uh, in gray sweats just uh, shows up in the doorway, and he doesn't notice. Charles Pick- Pickering? Charles Pickering. Crazy guy. Wow. Who, wait, we talked about him briefly last time because he was on the news segment with Ed. Sorry, he wasn't on the news segment. That was Dan Dalton. Oh. Uh, this is the guy who they'd re- they've referenced a few times because he was the one who was going to firebomb the clinic. Mm, that's right. And yeah. then got arrested. And he was at the rally with the blood inflated babies. And now he's at the library with a knife. <laughs> Massive hunting knife. <laughs> And sits down next to Ralph, just presses it in. This freaked me the fuck out. I did not like this at all. Yeah? No. I, no. (laughs) I am terrified of fucking knives. Yeah. The point where he has the knife far enough in Ralph's side Mm -hmm. that Pickering says... I can feel your heart beat in the handle. It must be beating very hard. <laughs> ah, I hate it. It's so crazy because he's like, I wonder what they look like. And Ralph's just noticing what's happening. And he looks at him and he says, your guts, I mean. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It's rad. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking intense. Oh, I want to see that scene play out in a movie. <laughs> right. So he's completely frozen while this guy is laying into him about being a centurion and how he's, you know, taking him off the board. And Ralph stays frozen because he realizes in in the auras, his aura is green and black. And he says green is paranoia and confusion. Mm -hmm. And when he does push the knife in, it'll be the black that pushes the knife. Which is just another layer to all this uh, aura madness I can't wait to get further into. Luckily, though, he puts his hand, his right hand in his pocket to see if he has something that he could use. And even though he stuck the bottle of mace or whatever. Yeah, tear gas. Yeah, tear gas on top of his refrig, on top of his fridge. (laughs) On top of his (laughs) refridge. It's somehow in his pocket. So he uses that to get away from this crazy guy. The fact that his Hail Mary is saying, I know who the Crimson King is. And Charles loses it for a second and Mm -hmm. it gives him time. And I love that when he pulls the can out, as he's falling back, he's like, I don't know which direction (laughs) this nozzle sprang. (laughs) So this is a real crapshoot. But blast him in the face and... I, Charlie's going nuts about how he's, he's blind. Such a and- baby. I, I love that. He's rolling on the floor, screaming, I'm blind, I'm blind. And Ralph is like, 
oh shit, no man, you're okay. Yeah, his, <laughs> and the guy's just flipping. His out. instant instinct is like, oh man, I hurt this guy. Uh, it when, it's like he has a knife, my man, right. my dude. And when Mike comes up, he's like, hey, are Mike, you okay? And Mike, who's like, also been stabbed in this library. Oh yeah, this is a dangerous yeah. library. But Mike, Mike's like, oh my They're god, in a very what happened? Special club together. <laughs> And Ralph is like, I, I I sprayed him. It's not lethal. And he's like, what happened to you? And I don't care about him. Anyone who screams that loudly is fine. <laughs> it's that. It's also because Ralph hasn't noticed how bad he's bleeding yet. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's just pulled in his shirt. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what's so fucking scary about knives, <laughs> man. You don't feel how badly you've been stabbed. I've heard too many stories that when you get stabbed, it doesn't feel like being stabbed. You just think you've been punched. That's a relief. That's. (laughs) (laughs) We have very different ideas about stabbing. We're afraid of different things. (laughs) See, I'm just afraid of pain. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I'm unreasonable and afraid of violent death. (laughs) I like that there seems to be no rush to call the cops at first. As they handle the situation until they notice that it's Charlie Pickering and they're like, oh, this is like a real dangerous guy. We should get yeah. the cops down here. Luckily, they call the cops and uh, they talk to a person instead of over a clown saying that they're here and mm-hmm. someone's been stabbed. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so Lidecker comes there and tells him he won't be charged because Ralph is super worried that he's going to be in trouble. That, that would be so me. <laughs> When I first started driving, somebody stopped a little abruptly in front of me, and I guess I was following too close, and I rear-ended them. Ooh. I wasn't going fast because it was a school zone, and the woman was picking up her child, and she was also oh my God. eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, Jesus no. <laughs> and I thought I was going to go to jail. <laughs> oh, no. It's just sobbing. Her husband was like, because she went to the hospital. He's like, it's fine <laughs> oh my <God>. he's fine <laughs> he seemed tired your hesitancy to drive really does come into focus after that story a little bit i hate driving <laughs> i hit unborn babies when i drive whoa isolate that audio <laughs> quickly grab it before she edits it cm is a centurion <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bald doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. You said that oh, too gonna sweetly. It's going to be a weird soundboard. <laughs> now, I, I like the conversation they have on the drive home. Uh, Lidecker takes Ralph home after they dress his wound. What do you guys think of the conversation about what is going to happen, what they think is going to happen as a fallout of this? Can we just talk about the whole conversation yeah. when mm. Ralph goes back to the station the next day to give a full statement sure. and, and we'll get to what else they discuss there. Cause it's after he witnesses something mm-hmm. I'm, I find Lidecker cause I, I, I otherwise like him, but I'm, I'm really irritated by his victim blaming mm-hmm. tendencies. Cause he's really, I, I do appreciate that. He's like, I'm, I'm scared because this woman's coming here and it's stirring up a lot of, things in the city and I don't want anything to happen to anyone. I, I want to make sure that she comes and goes safely. Nobody gets hurt and I do my job and I protect people, which is something I like doing. That's why I'm here. But just the way he talks about 
the the two sides like basically being the same yeah. and all they care about is that people know they're right and the other side admits it which it's all is a horrible shit. perspective that is not <laughs> it is such horseshit that he says he basically says look what she was wearing she had it coming yeah, don't dress the, that the, way and you the, won't get raped the, that's the his attitude anti that the uh the pro-choice people are l- look at all of the damage they're doing by causing such a stink but shouldn't they know that they should just not exist so that the uh, the violent yeah, misogynists the violent don't, don't try violently. to murder them? That's his attitude. It Josh, sucks. you have a look on your face like you disagree with me. No, Which is fine. No. I'm just curious. Uh, it, it is one of the things about this book that I found so fascinating. One is the variety of directions that people come at this very sensitive we get topic. All of them, with, we which get, is fascinating. Yes, yeah. it's so crazy. What I find interesting about Lidecker's situation is that his. We've discussed that Ralph, kind of in a roundabout way, talks about uh, his generation being the generation of what uh, whatever people want to believe in the privacy of their own home. Mm-hmm. That's up mm-hmm. to them. It's it's not for me to say who's right or who's wrong if I don't have an opinion. Kind of. Where, as a society, we've we've pushed past that. This is kind of the last generation that did that. Yeah. Kind of. Lidecker's frustration comes from the fact that, for him, this whole thing is a non-issue. In that, what the way he sees it coming together is this whole fight happened because we found out that they were trying to get women care rezoned uh, so they could shut it down. And he says here and before he gets into all of the weird victim blaming uh, sentiment, he mentions that was never going to happen. Which is horseshit. He's saying it couldn't happen because of it's it shares so much property with the hospital and they were they wouldn't shut down. In in real life, the people that want to shut down abortion clinics definitely wouldn't harm their communities just to do that. Right. No, that's a horseshit argument. <laughs> well, it's of the- course that can't possibly happen. Ignore all of the mi- thousands of times it has and continues to happen. Uh, <laughs> so grumpy. <laughs> well, it uh, sucks. It, it's I, I trust his perspective on this because he goes on to mention the people who are voting on that, who are making that decision. That because of who's on that board is yet another reason that this never would have passed. This was this this was never going to change. Yes, there were still going to be uh, radicals that were going to try to firebomb the place and protest it and stuff. He doesn't conveniently he doesn't touch that part of the argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I get his frustration and where King has set us up in a world where all of these men of a certain age are minding their own business, no matter the harm it causes mm-hmm. everyone around them. <laughs> That's what I think's just that's what I think's interesting about this character specifically is I hate him but I think thematically I'm supposed to in that frustrating way. It yeah, he if he would have just stopped much sooner it wouldn't <laughs> have been as bad but he kept going. And you like obviously he's frustrated so he's blaming everybody and I get that but it's just a shitty <laughs> attitude that that I, as a reader I struggled with, which is the point, and does not bother me to be put in that situation to to feel about someone very like, damn it, I thought I liked this guy. What the fuck is he talking about? But I said it in the first episode, 
not concerning yourself with things like this is a privilege. Yes. So absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> and I think it's because we talked about that and Ben kind of your points about uh, the, the shitty, the shittier side of Ralph mm-hmm. that has really brought mm-hmm. that theme to the forefront of like, you really can see where, where these characters personal morality lies. It, it reminds me like, uh, you know, the, the movement that's been going on for a few years as far as being an ally, we've been hearing about that a lot more and, and understanding what that truly means. And it's really easy to be an ally when you are speaking out against this sort of like, you know, them, mm-hmm. the outside people. Yeah. But when it's somebody you think you respect or have respected or do respect or love or someone who means something to you really fucking hard to be Mm. an ally that's the challenge and Mm. and i think this book is setting up moments like that that are interesting and i hope people get that message and don't take it the other way yeah i i'm i am very interested to see how ralph grows throughout the book because i do think there are actually i don't know that that he has made any progress so far but I'm hoping he does. <laughs> One of the hopeful things, jumping back to this drive home, is Lidecker saying that Charlie Pickering is going to go away for a while on these charges. He's not going to make bail. Ed is probably going to just cut ties with him. He sent him to do a job. He didn't do mm-hmm. it. He'll move on, which Ralph doesn't really buy. No, that all sounds reasonable, though. Like right. Lidecker, I feel like knows what he's t- like that's how it usually happens of course that's not how it's gonna go down but i i love like later we just get him having to admit several times i was very wrong <laughs> alan pangborn on a scale of one to ten he's the ten of cops mm-hmm. so every cop character we get <laughs> i subconsciously compare them to alan pangborn once ralph gets home that's when he starts trying to figure out how did this fucking thing get in my pocket And that's when he remembers that when he came home and Dorrance was on his front step, his door was also unlocked, which is something Bill does all the time that he hates. And now he realizes that Dorrance was waiting for him, but had gone upstairs, taken it out of the cupboard and put it in his pocket. He even double checks the cupboard just in case. Which is like, how did he know to do that? Right. Like there's such a cool moment. So many weird things about Dorrance that I I hope that this is not uh, a king tease. And as he's rummaging through the pockets of the other things in his coat, that's when he pulls out a slip of paper. And on the slip of paper is the quote that I butchered earlier, which is each thing I do, I rush through so I can do something else. And to get to the next thing to, to do. To get to the next <laughs> thing to do. Uh, and Dorrance copied that line, folded it up in a piece of paper and put it in his pocket. Like uh, the the message that Dorrance had to have gotten, had to have been so specific <laughs> to do these things that I'm just really curious what brings it all together. We we wrap up the, this day. This It's been a day for poor Ralph. Uh, we wrap it up by him calling and canceling his acupuncture appointment. He's like, well, if, if Dorrance was right about fucking all of today, mm-hmm. I'm just going to trust him on canceling the acupuncture. He, he basically told him it was too late to mm. go back. So, because at first I was thinking, no, keep it. Then you don't have to deal with this crazy shit. But he did tell him it was too late. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, very excited to talk to you about this. It's a King Dream sequence. Mm-hmm. I know how much you love those. We need a stinger. Uh, <laughs> I love a King Dream sequence. I guess I missed the point where he said he was dreaming. <laughs> oh, no. Because everything happened and I was just like sitting at my computer 
going, what in the fuck? I felt very much like Ralph uh, <laughs> for a moment where I just was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's real. I'm going to. I'm going to hit the sack. <laughs> this is so, this gave me such strong creep show vibes. I could picture, oh, yeah. I could picture this dream perfectly because we've seen it. It's, it is almost literally creep several creep show sketches all smashed into one. Yeah. So with the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the buried in the sand. Yep. And the tide coming up. So Ralph is on the beach and he sees something off in the distance. I think he thinks it's a ball or something. Yeah, yeah but it's Ted dancing. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as he gets closer to it, he realizes that it's Carolyn's head and she is buried up to her head in sand. Josh, are it's you so okay? horrifying. <laughs> it's such uh, Ben doesn't like knives. I don't like being buried alive. <laughs> well, with any part of me showing. If I mean, if you're going to bury me alive, do it. Whole hog, or don't do it at all. Like when bury they, when they roast, hog. like Hawaiian roast, like when they roast the whole hog. <laughs> oh yeah, you can, I mean, you can roast coals. me. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, that'd be delicious. Oh, that's I would how we'll be bury Josh. That's, that's how we <laughs> okay, will. Thank anyway. you. <laughs> so Carolyn has a message for Ralph, and this s- scene is just heartbreaking and disturbing because he's trying to rescue her, and she's like, "Dude, I'm already dead." Like th- this isn't important because the the water is co- the tide is coming in, and it's burying her, and her head is splitting open. Bugs are coming. Cockroaches, out. Are, yeah. Cr- oh. Yeah, this also gave me like revival vibes. It was giving me real um, first dream sequence in the dark half. Mm-hmm. So she uh, tells him to to watch out for the white man's tracks, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm sure that's gonna make sense later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And he wakes up before two in the morning, completely awake. Now he's getting less than two hours of sleep every night. And he goes to watch the neighborhood like he's been doing all these mornings. Except for tonight, he catches two four foot tall uh, green aurid creatures dressed in white smocks. That He continues to describe them as what people who are claim to be abducted by aliens describe. Like mm-hmm. little bald men with big eyes. I can only imagine them as truly shrunk little bald human men for some reason. I I, I don't know why. The image I have in my head, uh, at least on this listen through, has been affected by the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, because he describes them and he's he's looking at them and he, he runs and gets binoculars mm-hmm. to look at them closer. But when he tries to focus on their faces... They aren't like real faces. They're he says they're like a sketch yeah, of a face. That's so fucking weird. The, it is the idea of a face mm-hmm. more than a real face. And I could not help but imagine if you went to Doll E Mini and typed in little bald doctors, it would show you an exact picture of what these guys looked like. And it would be terrifying. The version that you can use for free online sucks and (laughs) uh, by design can't do faces. And so whenever it generates a person, like if you tell it, show me Guy Fieri eating a big hot dog. Do you always search sexual things? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Almost exclusively. (laughs) 
Show me Shrek eating a big hot dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it will show you something that kind of looks like Guy Fieri, but the face will be just like two dots and an awful crease. And then you're just like, no, that's not a face. Oh, we're going to do it, and then we're going to post no, it on our Instagram. Oh, yeah. so the episode. oh, God, no, that's even more horrifying. Oh, I want to see him. Oh, I do love this scene, though. It's one that... Meet, meeting, seeing them and the reading about them for the first <laughs> time always stuck with me because it was such a not anything I expected to be the next thing that happened. It it's so out of left field. Yeah, it is uh and a bonkers thing that happens. Yes, and and they're so he sees them just standing outside of her house in the dark, not concerned about anything. They they have an air about them that they belong there and they're not doing anything wrong. But he's kind of freaked out because that's something strange to see. And he notices that one of them is carrying scissors. And he knows that May Locker is a very ill, very Oh my god, man. I just figured out what they're doing. Sorry. You just <laughs> figured it out. Just you figured it the out. Reading, right? wow. I just oh. figured it out. Sorry. How are you, buddy? I'm so sorry. I'm so okay. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by the brutality and that it was a dog later that I didn't retroactively put this together, that he's on the front steps with a pair of clean scissors. Yes, they they are clean as opposed to another tool. We'll see a a different sort of creature carrying later. Oh, Josh, you're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing your best, dude. I don't know what's plot relevant (laughs) in this book. So Ralph does the good neighborly thing and he calls 911 anonymously Anonymous. sure this is one of several just dumb shit <laughs> ralph does throughout this book and he is on less than 2 hours of sleep That's for true. the past few months that's fair <laughs> and i do like because it's later on in like the last chapter when he's really just kind of working through what the fuck is going on he is just more or less making wild leaps in logic. I feel like that's part of what this experience is doing mm-hmm. to him, though. Like it's it's part of that it, is having that it's knowledge. It's wearing down yeah. the wall of like this instinct that he has. Yeah. Later, he says that seeing and knowing are the same thing. Yeah. There's a real uh, madcap search for binoculars and yeah. all, all of these things that he does to like get as much information as he can. Mm-hmm. But he does clock that they have auras, but they don't have balloon strings. How did I miss this? <laughs> he makes that, uh, that phone call. And here's what's weird is in his mind's eye, which has been pretty correct mm-hmm. thus far, he sees Maylocker, the old woman, uh, with her throat slit. And then he sees a caretaker also stabbed multiple times. But when the police get there, May Locker is dead, but they think natural causes, maybe something scared her. She might have had a heart attack, but yeah, she's alone. This is I an, didn't I take had, those as actual visions. That was just his imagination. I actually working, had to go back right? and double check because later after he sees the third little bald doctor, which we'll get to, he reflects on his phone call and he's like, you know, those guys... They weren't menacing. I just freaked out. And so I I was like, wait, is that actually how it happened? And it is. He's not. 
it, he's not seeing them as menacing like he does the third one immediately. He just starts to get concerned more, talks himself into getting concerned because it's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I, I think that kind of explains that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, okay, that does make sense. It's it's hard because we have so much of Ralph trusting that instinct and it's always mm-hmm. right. So this was a, a weird departure from that. Maybe it's just so that we believe that maybe he doesn't get everything right with this intuition. <laughs> uh, so we talked about the next day is the that conversation with him and Lidecker that we talked about. But yeah, he also asks about Maylocker. He's way more concerned about that, though, mm-hmm. than he is his own thing. And he's just been waiting to ask. It. He's like, OK, I have to ask about my stuff first or he's going to think it's weird that I'm asking about her. And it's so fun because because <laughs> he's like, yeah, the guy, you know, called anonymously and, you know, we think she died of natural causes, but we're going to have a full autopsy done because there was a call. And the first person I thought of was you. And Ralph's like, <clears throat> oh, because <clears throat> of the insomnia. <laughs> it real super chill. And, and Lydecker's like, yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the officer who took the call said that he sounded young and sure of himself. And then he's like, no, not that you're not. And Ralph's like, so I know I'm old. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did like, it was just a cute, <laughs> yeah. a cute moment. Like he wasn't thinking about the words he was saying. Just th- yeah. That's how he was described. <laughs> uh, sorry, not uh, he didn't say old Manny McMahon. It, it is a funny moment, but it's also a cool little foreshadowing of yeah. uh, later mm-hmm. when we start to physically see that Ralph seems to be getting younger. I yeah. didn't, I didn't catch all of the clues at first, and then I was going through my notes, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah. It starts pretty early. Well, pe- yeah, people start telling him he looks a lot better. They're like, "Oh, my thing! I told you about worked. You're sleeping better," and he's like. Sure. So it's yeah, not, I, it is very subtle yeah. at first. It's really cool. After leaving, getting that information about May Locker uh, and finding out that there was no foul play seemingly and that they had to kick the door in because all the mm-hmm. doors and windows were locked. So there couldn't have been intruders because it was all locked from it's the inside. It's a real locked room situation. Exactly. We need Sherlock Holmes. I know. <laughs> he decides that it's time to lay it all out there to someone. Oh, wait. It, we, sorry. We have to pause here because Lidecker is like, promise you won't tell anybody this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I won't. And he's like, especially your friend Bill, the old prof, <laughs> doesn't really strike me as someone who keeps things to himself. So what does Ralph do after he promising? Decides to go and talk to the prof. This is fascinating because he, the way he talks himself into it, because, you know, Lois will just gossip to her friends. She's just a flaky, you know, woman. Mm. And Bill is an academic. And so he's going to be very reasonable. And then Ralph gets super pissed off when Bill gives him literally exactly what he said he was going to. (laughs) Yeah. They don't really go too into why he, uh, trusts Bill so much with his problems while thinking that his female friend is uh, complete ditz and... Well, later the, he admits that he was, he's was he been viewing Lois through I'd, Bill's eyes. Yeah. At first, Bill seems to be like, pretty on board. He seems really reasonable <laughs> about everything he that's happening. To everything, he yeah. And he even calls May's brother, because that's next of kin, he'll be notified if something weird comes up in that autopsy. Mm-hmm. So he's actively on board, and he's like, I'll go in and I'm going to make this call. And it's while he's inside that Ralph sees a little girl jump roping. You guys want to talk about this little girl jump roping? I never want to see a little girl jump roping after this. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
I think this scene is an Aphex Twin music video. It's very, that's. I don't understand any of that. There's some people in the audience that are going to be like, huh. Anyway, it's, yeah, he sees this, this little girl jumping rope and chanting eerily in a, if you're listening, very upsetting voice. And when he he finally like stops and looks closer, he realizes it's not a little girl. It's just the face is so clean and lineless that he it gave the impression of youth, despite the fact that it's a bald little old man, <laughs> which is it it is creepy, but it it's kind of funny. It, it's very Lost Highway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did. Redefine. Fuck, I would watch a David Lynch directed version of this <laughs> oh movie. Oh my god. Oh yeah. That'd be great. Sorry. Let's That'd be very happen. good. Yeah. This description made me recalibrate how they look in my head to become a little more androgynous because I had to be like, how did he believe it might have been a little girl? And just it, it made the whole thing more alien to me. He realizes that this little girl's also wearing Bill's goddamn Panama hat. That we've been looking for. And he takes a bite out of it while growling at Ralph for some reason. That's intimidating as fuck. It's so weird. (laughs) Is that before or after Ralph Hadoukens him? (laughs) It is before the Hadouken. (laughs) It was at the Hadouken that made me go, okay, this book is way weirder than I remember. (laughs) It's already a weird book. It's a fever dream. (laughs) It goes... It goes Street Fighter right before it goes Yu Yu Hakusho. So, anime friends, (laughs) get that joke. Um, And Bill comes back and he says, talk to Larry. He's on board. He's going to give me a call. Ralph, you look real weird. Oh, because 45 minutes have gone by Mm -hmm. in this very small glimpse. I did love that uh, because... In the narration, Bill says, oh, I can't, uh, you know, such a loudmouth talk for 45 minutes. Yeah. And Ralph, oh, that's Bill being fucking drama queen again. Completely disregards Mm -hmm. this. And then when Bill finally was like, no, I was for real. Are you okay? I I like that part. (laughs) They get into a huge fight after this because Bill is willing to maybe admit that there's some possible psychic phenomena going on but even though he could believe that he can't believe anything else that ralph is saying and basically he takes the angle of there is possibly something medically wrong with you that you need to get checked out right away and he says the worst thing to say which you need to go see litchfield not an acupuncturist not a Uh, hypnotist. hypnotist thank you in my head i was picturing a snake in a basket. <laughs> I could not pull up the right. You're acupuncturist, your snake charmer. <laughs> yeah, no fake ears. <laughs> and they they have a knockdown, drag out, verbal argument on the street that the mailman hears, uh, somebody at a store down the street hears. Lois hears from <laughs> several houses down a little bit. Do either of you think Bill is being unreasonable even a little bit? This is what I wanted to, I specifically wrote in my notes, Ben, do you think Bill cares more about Ralph's well-being or being right? He's what Lidecker was talking about. Ralph thinks that he's being sanctimonious Mm -hmm. and has this thought of like, oh, there's this tone in his voice of like, 
what I expected him to say. He has this tone in his voice. I couldn't believe it. And I thought he was going to say pity. But he thinks Bill is, well, what does he say? That uh, this tone of his voice is uh, like satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I don't think Bill was all that wrong. Um, now, in the real world, we are, <laughs> uh, if this happened in the real world, of course, Bill is being a thousand percent right. Ralph is seeing shit. Also, I think you should you're, see a doctor. You're yeah. not supposed to challenge hallucinations because that sets people who are having them off in a really bad way. There's a better way to deal with it. Bill's not a psychologist. He's not going to know that. So I agree, but I think he, he came at it a little too, too too hard. hard. Yeah. He wasn't just like, I'm sorry you're going through this. I will listen to you. I'm worried because what you said sounds like it could be a medical thing. Will you please get checked out? He, they just get into a screaming match. When he says you're starting to sound like Ed, that's yeah. That was he's, probably not. Necessary. He's careless with his words. Yes, he, the, I think the the emotion you're picking up on is when somebody believes so strongly that they're right that they don't care how they say it to you. They don't use tact mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter because they're so right. Which seems and to be thoughtless. a theme of the book is yes. everyone <laughs> believing that they are right, which I think is a dumb theme and a dumb argument because it makes it seem like there is not a uh, objectively better like good uh, answer to any of these problems. This but, isn't a book you read to escape the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph decides to take a walk again. He's going to go down to the, the old man dairy hang by the airport and he reflects on uh, the secret cities of dairy, that there's a dairy for the old folks. There's a dairy that seems specifically for children. Hmm. Uh, I like the referencing Kneebolt Street and, mm-hmm. and those little things. So the the old folks are also, they are not unaffected by this debate that's mm-hmm. taken over the town. So you're starting to see that infiltrate this group of people who, as Ralph talked earlier, are just people who hang out and shoot the shit and nothing. Yeah, they, they play surfaces. chess yeah. together. They have like chess tournaments. So they find out, uh, you know, somebody who hangs out there has cancer and, you know, people are being affected by a lot of things right now. And Ralph is just kind of trying to get away. But the the real important thing we find out, uh, Faye, the guy who's putting together this chess tournament, who uh, told him about the friend that has cancer, they're just talking about all the, that insanity, and he decides to tell Faye about what happened with Ed and how crazy that whole thing was. And about, like, I can't figure out, because at this point we still hadn't discovered why Ed was back there mm-hmm. for any reason. And that's when we find out that back beyond those gates is a place called Solotech, a flight school. Can't imagine that's... <sighs> probably won't come up again. Probably won't come up again. Better leave it alone. I only know one thing. Going into this, I only knew one thing about this book. And it's about that. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's because we're... Our, yeah. Where we record it's where we, is yeah, it's where book. It's where we live. It's where yeah. our studio is. I got to know everything about this place. Uh, he heads home and he comes across Rosalie, who is barking at nothing. Right? Right, guys? Yep, she's fine, right? and she's going to be fine. Nothing She'll live forever. To her, ever. Talking about fucking stings we need. They, we need a sting that's just <laughs> bah, bah, dog violence. A dead dog <laughs> it sting. really is. And this is the first time that Ralph summons the auras, which I thought was very cool. Mm-hmm. 
and because he knows that he must be barking at something. And it's that fucking doctor number three again trying to chastise the dog. Yeah, the dirty coat, nasty little fucker with the rusty. I don't know if it's rusty in my head. It is scalpel. He says it's rusty. Yeah, it's rusty. And don't they say, I might be imagining, that this doctor has no aura. Yes. Well, How or is, Ralph can't see it. Or, or he, Ralph he makes can't that see it. concession. It's but yeah. just, I have, that makes such a distinct picture in my mm-hmm. mind of like this little doctor standing in the middle of the street that is violent with aura. Mm-hmm. Everything has it, like inanimate objects have auras. Everything is glowing with color. And then right dead center like a hole is just like a silhouette of nothing is such a scary visual. Oh, we also find out here or we did or will that the colorful cursing that Ed displayed in the Mm -hmm. first part of the book sounds exactly like things this guy is saying. Yeah. So it's uh, adding to the little tie in there. And uh, Ralph's yelling at him to leave the dog alone. He's saying that it's his dog and he's going to get it. And uh, as Penn said, he hydukens him. He waves his hand to like shoo him off and a beam of energy comes flying from his fingertips. So cool. <laughs> and doc number three barely dodges it. And then uh, it made me gives go, him the finger and call sure. him short time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the short time thing. Yes, I do love uh, that they haven't explained it yet. It makes so much sense. But just the fact, yeah, the, the phrase, you know, we're yeah. short timers and mm-hmm. they're something else is yeah. very cool. And once we get more into what I'm most excited about in this book, hopefully we get to it in part three, is some of the more lore yeah. of what mm-hmm. is going on. I'm going to prod your memories in case the two of you forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time we heard about short timers was Kingdom Hospital. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, Ben pointed uh, the, that out. The, the, what was his name? Anubis? Uh, no, it was Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that takes it. That takes all other Ben's. In your defense, there was also an Anubis. Uh, Anubis was there. Good. He was in the show. Oh, it was so nice going out with you and your lovely wife last night. What was her name? Trollbus? Susan? Fuck. Oh, so the little bald doctor is upset at being stopped because mm-hmm. he wanted to play with Rosalie. And so he threatens Ralph. And he's like, I'll get you and I'm going to I'm going to fuck with you and I'm going to fuck with your friends. He does look for Rosalie. Rosalie ran off and he follows Rosalie to the park where he comes across a character I did not expect to be here doing what she's doing or just at all. Lois is in the park just sobbing by herself. Yeah, Lois is... On the park bench, sobbing, and when Ralph walks up to her, she does not want him to see her because her makeup is all runny. And he sits down next to her, and instead of going away, like she very politely asks, I th- it's after what he's just seen. He's just like, no, you know what? I'm going to figure out what's wrong with her. So he asks her, you know, why are you crying? And she launches into this story about how he is not the only one who's been suffering insomnia. She started to get insomnia four months before his wife died. 
So she's had it longer than Ralph. And finally went to Dr. Litchfield because well, she doesn't say it right here, but she's been having experiences that are concerning to her. And she lays everything out for him, tells him what's going on. And he can't give her a prescription for sleeping pills like Ralph speculated he'd do mm-hmm. for him because she has a heart condition and that doesn't mix. And so she continues to explain that her son and daughter-in-law called her up out of the blue and are like, hey, let's let's get some food. We'll come visit. And she's like, I'm going to make you food. And she got up at her normal, like, what, one in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She says, oh, you should have seen me. I felt so silly <laughs> cooking this elaborate... A meal at 2 a.m., getting my makeup ready at 4 Mm a.m. just to make sure because she's like already seems like afraid that her kid is going to notice that she hasn't been sleeping Mm -hmm. and get worried. But her kid and step your daughter in law -law are pieces of shit. Well, Dr. Litchfield is also Also, a piece of shit. Yeah, Yeah, we we find out that. It's Doc- nice to get confirmation that Dr. Yeah. Litchfield is a piece of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. and we get no, we Dr. Litchfield called her son, which is illegal. <laughs> so he explained everything that's going on with her and basically like in very clear terms said your mom is losing her mind. He said she's experiencing a decline in cognition. And I feel why did Stephen King write her this way? Lois had to look the word up. She's like, yeah. "Do you know what that means?" and Ralph's like, "Thinking. It means thinking." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's she's not written the most uh, uh what's the word I'm looking favorably. for favorably yeah <laughs> she was she's definitely written as a housewife a, of, of the era like might, that's yeah like Darkwing Duck the neighbors that live next yes! door the mom the fifties mom pole but yeah <laughs> Edith Edith Bunker I know that that's all in the family yes man anyway I was like I, just, I knew the name and I couldn't. Pull the face around. So Lois's family comes to see her to say, hey, we're worried about you. We want you to live in this uh, living facility where old people go to die, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets very upset and she's like, reasonably so not going to happen. And you should have hung up on him as soon as you figured out what he was doing. And then let's let's talk about what the daughter in law does. Okay. Did you know what she did immediately? Immediately. I'm like, why didn't you yell at her for going in your fucking room? Yeah. So funny that this is the justification Ralph uses to be like, she is also seeing magical powers. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph's dense, though. She's telling this story and she's like, she. I'm standing my ground and not going uh, to this appointment that they set for me. And her daughter-in-law leaves the room and she's happy about it because she hates her daughter-in-law so goddamn much. And when her daughter-in-law comes back, her first words are, where are the earrings I got you for Christmas? Immediate red flag. Yeah. Why the fuck are you you asking? Why were you looking for them? What did you want? uh, yeah, Immediately, she, it is Lois obvious this woman swiped them. Yeah, Lois could have put the hammer down instantly, but instead they spend hours searching Looking for them, tearing for them. up, instead of just saying, up your ass. <laughs> so, and and she tells Ralph that she said some things then, she she doesn't remember, and, and they ended up <laughs> leaving. And, and it is a really irritating scene, like mm. irritating in an effective way, right. because this woman just is so upsetting. Worst. 
And Reminded me of uh, fucking Bobby's sister. Yeah, I was yeah, just thinking that. And Ralph figures out, he's like, you you knew she took them. And she's like, well, he goes, you saw her take them. She's like, well, no, I was in the other room. He goes, no, you saw it in her when she came back that she had taken them. And that's when they. And through how long have you been seeing yeah. yours? Hilarious. <laughs> because literally, and she's like, how could you have possibly known? And it's. I have a small amount of uh, situational awareness. <laughs> and we also find out that she has, she can't see May Locker's house. So she assumed that was Ralph who called, but she sees him up at night sitting in his chair. I love Just that he's, into his I, window. Yeah, that. I would have had, my first thought would have been, oh my God, have I done anything gross in front of that window? Oh God, I for sure jerked off in that chair. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And she's like, I'm a lady. And if you'd started to do something gross, I would have looked away. But something, oh, this is what I was alluding to in the first part between Ralph and Lois. Josh, you that, remember? That connection, yeah. Because yeah. he's he's thinking of her, because Bill refers to her as our Lois, and he's like, that's not right anymore. She's not our Lois. She's my Lois. And j- you, you can tell they're going to have a romance. Right. Yeah. We find out that uh, she... She can also see the balloon strings. She can see all the things that uh, not quite as intensely uh, because she uh, we find out that she can't see everything that Ralph can see because Mm -hmm. uh, we hear Rosalie again Mm. and Ralph turns and sees one of the restrooms, the restroom door in the park open and bald dumbass three (laughs) is out there heckling the dog. And she's like, what what are you what's happening? Will you keep talking about this? And in a move just as natural as the Hadouken, he looks at his hands and they're like sparkly and he puts them over her eyes. And when he takes them away, she can see all of it. Which I have a feeling later he'll he'll regret having opened that door for her. Can't imagine why. (laughs) It seems so wholesome, the things he can Hmm. see. And I really, really thought they were going to stop him. Really did. No, how could you think that? This is Stephen King. It's a dog. That is is very true. It just, in my mind's eye, it felt so... It's like if we were right here and Rosalie was, like, within... Like, you wanted to reach through the the book and stop him? Like, in my head, I was like, it seems like you're pretty close. You could just run over. See, for me, in my head, it was... They were far enough away... That it could that he, all he could do was watch helplessly, yeah. which is so much scarier. He, yes, he tries to hit him with a blast of, and he can't. Yeah, he doesn't and, have any juice left. Yeah, and the Josh, what did you think of how Doc Number Three conducts his business? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he just came out of the bathroom. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> uh, he, he wipes twice and calls it good. And then he... <laughs> he's very small. He's very small. He's a very small, okay, small yeah. man. Uh, he, he creeps over to Rosalie and takes his scalpel and he cuts her balloon string, which for dogs is out of their nose, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And I was like, oh, I, I assumed instant death. Yeah. And it's so much more horrifying. It is so worse. It recall it references back to his dream of the bugs crawling out of his wife. That it's like these the blackness starts pouring out and covering, like the, a body bag. Yeah, like a body. What you call it? the death bag? Is what mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah, 
It's so fucking horrifying. Rosalie doesn't die right away, I think, because they don't chase him. Or no, Lo- does Lois shoot him? With yeah, Ro- yeah. Uh, he's trying to articulate how this will work because it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells her to make a finger gun and and shoot. And that's spirit gun Yu Yu Hakusho. That's where that reference oh, okay. is. <laughs> she, she spirit guns uh, at him and hits him in the hip. And he's like, God! motherfucker (laughs) he's like so fucking mad and he just despite having a wound which is also just a sign of how powerful they are Mm -hmm. he doesn't limp when he walks away he throws a giant tantrum about how bad it hurts but then he runs off Mm -hmm. and so does rosalie rosalie oh he takes her bandana first oh yeah and he has bill's panama which Lois With doesn't notice. And there's something else that he has. Yeah. Uh, this is, he thinks he saw glimmer around the thing's ears. And he thinks, even though he knows for a fact that uh, this daughter-in-law stole the earrings, she doesn't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. The doctor has them. They decide to head back to Lois's, and Ralph is going to fill her in on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope that high five made the audio made it. <laughs> and uh, he, as he's talking about this, he also adds the new piece of information that cutting the balloon cord isn't uh, isn't out and out killing something but it is a murderous act it's speeding Mm. up the process making it not a natural death because he reflects on the people he's seen earlier whose balloon strings are well he's seen them and they're shorter and they're sick so he's like seeing sort of oh this is another type of death and they there's a ludlow reference that was great (laughs) uh but he fills lois in on all this and then except the earrings except the earrings and and then he's like all right you know everything get the fuck out of here Get out of town. And she's like, "Uh, no, you just filled me in on all this insane shit. You want me to get out of here? And he's like, yeah, you're in the way or whatever. (laughs) His like excuse is like the the classic. If you're gone, I'll know you're safe kind of a thing. And that's where we're really building this. Uh, this romantic relationship with them. And she's like cooking him a a home. This and Casablanca, pretty much the same. (laughs) I've never seen Casablanca. Don't worry about it. (laughs) She, I, Lois is a woman of a different time as well. She's like, oh, I hope you're, you know, you just sit in my dead husband's chair. Yeah. Don't get underfoot, which is fine. I'm going to get out my okay china. And I hope you're not one of these sensitive men who cries and shares his feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ralph has a, a boner. Yeah. Feeling young again. When Whatever. was the last time we had a good boner talk, y'all? It's been a bit. It's been a minute. Well, the the longer your podcast goes, the, the, old, the older your podcast gets, the more yeah, boner talks less and less. Yeah. It's really grow out of them. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. it no, it's natural. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> it'll happen more if you keep talking about it. Jesus Christ, can we move on? <laughs> Uh, we have to cancel our show. <laughs> uh, Ralph goes home, and he, his plan is to settle things with Bill positively. Mm-hmm. And when he gets there, he sees that there's a note from Bill saying, "Bill saying he's in Dairy Home because that friend of his that's dying is circling the drain." And <laughs> God, man, what? What? Circling, circling, the, circling the, drain. the drain? You can't say that in Dairy. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that. Uh, so he's go. He's at the hospital, and the note also is an apology. 
Which I liked. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry. I was a shit. You just came to me for advice and help and I treated you like crap. And if you can stand me anymore, I'd, I'd love to make it up And I, I also like Ralph's train of thought as he's walking back and like deciding to be, uh, to apologize. Yeah. And he's like, he's my friend. He's my Fuck friend. It. It, it's yeah. a very real moment of being like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a dick, but so was I, whatever. Yeah. It's nice. I am, am baffled. Speaking of the decisions Ralph makes, you, you mentioned earlier that he does some weird shit. This guy's dying. Like this is this is a hospice situation. Would you ever call someone's hospice room to find a friend if it wasn't an emergency? If it wasn't an emergency, no, no. of course yeah. not. Ralph does. <laughs> <laughs> well, first he gets a phone call from Lidecker, who has been trying to call him nonstop because mm-hmm. we got some news, y'all. The bail for Charles Pickering was eighty thousand dollars. Ed Deepno showed up with that. In a briefcase in cash. That really upsets me. Just the idea of someone. He didn't have. To, he only had to put up 10%. $80,000. There, People are abusing money in these books. Stop mm-hmm. it. Weird money seems to be on the side of evil in most cases. Don't <laughs> 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 talk uh, about money. No, <laughs> nobody has any idea how he got the money. Uh, but it happened. And we find out that the. As Lidecker is saying, yeah, still wrong about this, still wrong about this. Mm. It was that uh, the Friends of Life pretty much turned on Ed because he was getting too Too crazy. Mm. So Ed, Charlie, and then these two other people, Frank Felton and Sandra McKay, who are the most extremists out of the group, are all just doing their own thing. And uh, I'm just going to describe Sandra because Leidecker spends a lot of time, can't imagine it'll be important, but it says that she wears a sweater that says baby factory and claims to have birthed 15 children, but has no children. It's never been pregnant. I I just don't know what to do with that information of this crazy woman. But it is definitely a piece of information Maybe that lets you know. Maybe the centurions took all the babies. That could, oh no. What if that is it? Lidecker offers him police protection because obviously his, his name's on the shit list. And Ralph turns it down. What did you guys think about him turning it down? I he could have done it smoother than he did. He could have been like, I'm an old man. I'm not going to really go anywhere. It'd be a waste of resources. I promise I won't answer the door for anybody and I'll be safe and careful. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll call you, you know, if something happens instead, he he tries to make him feel like he's a proud old man who doesn't need help. Mm, yeah, he uh, gets off with. Uh, God, I was in trouble three words into that. Yeah, it gets off. He gets off. <laughs> End of scene. Uh, Lois is watching from her house and he's in his chair. <laughs> he gets off the phone and that's when he makes the call to Dairy Home, which instead of getting Bill, he gets the guy's niece. Ooh. Which we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but that scene was fucking weird. It's weird instantly because he asks if he can speak to Bill and she's like, no, he's not here. He suggested that everybody get some lunch and he suggested it in a very poetic way isn't that cool and they're making small talk ralph's like oh you know i heard your uncle is a really great guy and she's like yeah his fan club won't be paying the bills when they come will they and he's like uh if that's you like if you're the person who says those things get a therapist (laughs) desperately yeah i i also understand it is extremely hard to watch a family Mm -hmm. member and be the 
person that has to take care of exclusively take care in some cases of that family member. Uh, It's something I've had to watch in my own life. It is extremely hard and I do not begrudge anyone feeling stressed. (laughs) But he does pick up through his her aura through the phone Uh. that she is thinking of of killing him. She's uh, been, yeah, to, thinking about pulling the plug <laughs> of mer- mercy killing this man, mm-hmm. and uh, he he sees the blue in her aura and thinks murder is blue. I know that now, which is a wild thing. And interesting because he didn't see that with the knife guy. He saw black and green. Yeah, mm. because black was the one that was doing the violence. Black was and the green is paranoia. I believe he says right? paranoia mm. and confusion. Yeah. Mm. So there must be th- that black color. I don't know, I don't know that the the uh, the um, we need a color wheel. Yeah, <laughs> yes. the, I, I'm, well, the 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 what do you call them? Emotion detector ring. Uh, <laughs> the rule, mood ring. The mood the ring. Mood uh, rules apply. of uh, of the or- world of auras are one to one, but certain yeah. things. Well, uh, Ralph seems to think so. Blue. This this is like grief with. Technically mm. murder, and the other thing was more like a violent act. Well, it's just that thing where um, scientifically it's proven dudes just see less colors than women. So he's just like, oh, God, yeah, it's blue. It's, <laughs> it's blue, whatever. It's like, no, that's actually periwinkle. Murder is periwinkle. Uh, I, knew, I always knew murder would be periwinkle. Yeah. Ralph does another chunk of reflecting on everything he's learned so far, all the docs, the, the balloons, everything, and... He spies, uh, when he's back home waiting for Bill, he spies a old but healthy woman, a young man who is alarmingly close to death but looks fine, and a purple light erupt from a manhole cover for three straight minutes? Yeah, that's yeah, what strange. Is that about? <laughs> what? Don't the worry fuck? about it. <laughs> I, these, these moments are my single favorite part of mm-hmm. the book. It, the... The moments where you are glimpsing this force that is so far outside of human comprehension. We are not supposed to be seeing these things, and we do not have nearly enough context to Mm -hmm. understand what the hell it is. I love that. This is the two kids fighting scene that CM talked about Mm -hmm. a little bit earlier. I really, the example he gives is Times Square at New Year's Eve and midnight of of what that must look like. Yeah. Personally, I want to see what uh, Castle Rock looked like during the end of Painful Things. That's the aura night I want to see. But I just, I thought that was a beautiful description of Mm -hmm. of all that energy coming to life. Uh, And then that's when Ralph realizes that his hair is thicker. And darker. And darker than it has been before. And he starts reflecting on, people keep saying, you look better. And you know what? I, I'm i tired, but I feel better. And I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> he sees uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Perrin. Is that how you pronounce her name? I don't know. The the old busybody who is like, fix your shirt. Mm-hmm. Young I love her. <laughs> yeah, Favorite same. character. She, she gives great. him so much shit and he deserves every it's minute of so it. It's so funny because she's like just openly reading the shit out of this, out of Ralph. <laughs> but everything, it's, it's said in a hey you kind of voice. <laughs> But she seems to genuinely be a friendly person. Is that just me? Because she's like, I'll fix your shirt. It's fucked up. I 
<laughs> Come over to my house. I'll fix your goddamn shirt. Do you have another shirt? <laughs> that is my favorite one. So funny. Same, he's wearing the same shirt she offered to fix a couple days ago. And she's like, if you can bear to part with it, <laughs> if you have other shirts. And he's like, yeah, I have a few. She's like, it must be very hard for you to pick one every morning. <laughs> yeah. But if Ralph is doing the thing that I did when I was first in college, which is eating a meal straight out of the pot. He still has mm-hmm. his pot holder on yeah, his yeah. <laughs> A big thing of beans. We've beans all, and hot dogs. You no, know, I still, if I'm just making like soup just for me in a little pan, I just yeah. put a pot holder under it and a yeah. spoon in it and I yeah. eat it. We ain't fancy, right? <laughs> After uh, their weird chat, she moves on. He's watching her aura and he does a little... Funnel just, with his hands. He just say what he does. He sucks her off. He sucks her he off. Sucks her off. I that is in my notes, and I was trying to stay away from it. Yeah, uh, he. She's walking away, and he's like, "I'm. I want a taste of that." And he just, <laughs> oh, he, 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 he 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 pulls he he puckers up a little uh, hole oh, and puts it to his lips, and he, and he just says, sucks like a yum, straw. Yum. <laughs> and he says, "Ralph likey." <laughs> He he sucks part of her aura into his mouth when he closes no, it. He don't say it. Feels it's so it gross. Snap like like the crunches crunch. like like crisp lettuce. See, I imagined it like if you take a really big bite of cotton candy, that like sugary mm-hmm. crystal mm-hmm. crunch. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And she feels it. It was not good for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she thinks it's a gun went off. Or yeah, car backfired or yeah. something. Yeah. And she then she heard something. She kind of continues walking away, but isn't quite as steady. Like it definitely, he's taken her life force. Yeah, yeah. It, I I got very excited at this part because I remembered this part mm-hmm. and the sudden like shock that Ralph has because he does it without thinking. Mm-hmm. It is purely instinct, which sure um, <laughs> and he does it. But the immediate line of thought that it leads him to is. I'm a vampire. I have I been leeching off of people this entire time, and it made me go, "Oh, now we're getting into the interesting shit." And then our reading stopped. So, <laughs> super important question for you guys, though: if if we suddenly had these powers, how many people would you suck oh, off? I'd suck you both off right now in this room oh, on mic. Try and try and keep me from sucking everyone. Else. <laughs> And that is it for this episode of Sam, Dairy Public a, Radio. You don't have a take on that? <laughs> Join us next time where we will be reading through chapter 24 for Joshua Khan and Benjamin Graham. I am C.M. Alexander reminding you, it's a long walk back to Eden. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Insomnia Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. And thanks to our supporter of the show, SKL Stephen King Lovers. Don't forget to visit our friends at Stephen King Lovers if you haven't already. They're the largest Stephen King fan group on Facebook and some of the friendliest, most informative, interactive, and fun fan group around. When you join them on Facebook, you'll find in-depth conversations, giveaways, and general nerding out with fellow King fans. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.